Hello and welcome to Nerd Vomit. My name is Doug. I'm a nerd and this is my vomit. In this quarantined, isolated world, I am flying Han style. I'm flying solo on this one. Uh, just to wrap up some of the things that Deb and I could not get to last week on No Applause, Just the Clap. Uh, so let's just jump right into the vomitorium. There's plenty, obviously, to go through because I've been playing and watching a whole lot. Uh, Castlevania Season 3. Here are my big takeaways. One, I'm so glad that Warren Ellis's voice was not diluted by either Konami or Netflix. Uh, just the jokes, and I'm not going to say them verbatim, but uh, the jokes about um, toilet paper were great. Uh, just everything Bill Nye said uh, as St. Germain was fantastic. Oh, Simon Belmont, the better than sex line, which, speaking of sex, uh, the last, like, the, 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 um, penultimate episode and the episode before that where basically it's uh, Hector and one of the vampire baronesses uh, fucking and then also um, Alucard being uh, seduced by his uh, vampire hunter ninja protégés uh, very odd juxtaposition between the sex and violence uh, of what was going on in the episode because basically if you weren't fucking, if you weren't any of the characters fucking you were part of the, like, uh, Belmont, um, uh, whatever the elemental girl's name is, off, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but the speaker woman, who uh, she and Belmont are obviously doing it as well, um, but uh, they were just, like, killing uh, insane priests, or mad monks, or whatever you want to call them, and uh, so basically, if you weren't fucking, you were violently killing people. Uh, very interesting juxtaposition there, so thank you. Uh, everyone at Netflix and Castlevania Season 3. Uh, once again, I can't recommend this series highly enough. Um, it's from, I can't remember the name of the studio, but it's the same ones that did Vampire Hunter D uh, and Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust. Um, I, I don't think it's Gonzo. That seems not right. Um, I want to say like Madhouse or something like that is the studio that does it. Uh, none of that could be correct. Some of it could be, but I, I just don't have it in front of me. Things that I probably could have done without with Blood, uh, Bloodshot, uh, starring Vin Diesel. It was alright. I mean, it was kind of a, more than, you know, paint by numbers. It was like, called, and it's short. It's like an hour and a half. And it's just like, oh, this is a total paint by color, kind of revenge action movie uh, with some superpowers. Uh, he has, uh, Vin Diesel plays uh, a downed marine a special ops guy, of course, uh, who is, is brought back through the uh, use of Guy Pierce's, who is subtly sinister in this whole thing. Very Kildrich, uh, uh, Adrian Kildrich, Adrian, whatever his character was in uh, Iron Man 3. And um, Killian Aldrich, that sounds better. But uh, kind of smacks of that, but he, he brings Vin Diesel back through the use of like nanites that basically work as like a Wolverine's healing factor. And, um, it's alright. It was supposed to be the first of a shared universe. Uh, the Valiant, Com Valiant Comics? That sounds right. Uh, and it was supposed to be, like, uh, Bloodshot, uh, I think Harbinger, Bloodshot 2, and then, like, they were gonna, like, build in, like, the Harbinger War, which I never really read Valiant Comics. Oh, Exo Mana War, which apparently is gonna keep going as well. Uh, that's, that's actually on deck, and they may already reboot Bloodshot to fit into Exo Mana War and the Harbinger War. Go ahead and just Google it if, if you care enough. Um, Valiant Comics, 
Um, I think I bought by like Acclaim. They were going to be like used for like video games, and then Acclaim went under. Um, and then uh, I don't remember who ended up with the rights to Valiant. And uh, is it Valiant? I want to say it's Valiant. That sounds right. But um, yeah, it was kind of it's kind of a back when comic books were like printing money in the nineties. Um, you had things like Exo Manowar, Bloodshot, uh, the Harbingers. Uh, I, I don't Spider Aliens. Maybe was Rune part of that? Who was like an evil Doctor Strange type? We'll see. Uh, obviously, this was supposed to be part of this. This kind of got Bloodshot got kind of screwed. Well, I mean, other than it wasn't a great movie. Uh, it was fun, but it wasn't great. Uh, but it got screwed with the whole, you know, quarantine theater shutdown thing. So um, it was one of the ones that kind of got pushed into a digital release uh, along with Trolls. It was kind of that, like, you know, February release date, um, late February release or early March. But, I mean, Bloodshot was all right. Um, had some interesting elements, like uh, the whole uh, fabricated memory thing was kind of cool. Um, and that's how he became kind of a weapon, uh, before he got, you know, he shook loose his, his controls and could take his real vengeance. Yeah, paint by number. I mean, really. Things that are not paint by number. Rick and Morty, uh, the second half of the fifth season, fourth season, fourth season, sounds right, uh, is out. Um, I just watched the, uh, the aptly named one with the vat of acid. This show is just... Even when people shit on the episodes, like the dragon episode or the the actual like um, story train or whatever that was, that was a literal story device. It takes a, s a lot of intelligence to write something so tongue in cheek satirical that it is so satirical that people take it seriously. Very uh, Jonathan Swiftian, um, a, a decent proposal, not to be confused with an indecent proposal. Two very different things. Um, but yeah, Rick and Morty, I think the VAT episode is easily one of my favorites. That and, uh, I believe the, was it the last one? I don't remember the last one was. Anyway, um, oh, the, yeah, Promorteus, Promorteus? Whatever, the one with the face huggers, where you kind of come in halfway through their story. Dan Harmon said that that was the first time they've done, like, atypical story structure, but I, I don't believe it. Um, obviously the train one, they're kind of coming in at, Halfway through their storyline, uh, Rick makes uh, a reference to Dan Harmon's own kind of, um, you know, Joseph Campbell's A Hero's Journey. And he says, oh yeah, we're at three. Like, he doesn't say we're at one. He goes, we're at three. That's atypical story structure, Dan Harmon. So, not that I'm one of those trolls shitting on Harmon. I love Harmon. I love his, his cycle. It simplifies uh, Campbell's work. Um, not that Campbell was too, you know, complicated, but I think... In terms of writing a 23-minute episode of TV, you have to simplify the the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell, the hero of 10,000 Faces um, structure, and Harmon did it great. Um, in fact, I've got a copy of it on my computer and did an episode of Mr. Wright uh, years ago about it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not, I'm not crapping on Harmon at all. I think he's great, and, uh, you know, he probably has so many balls up in the air, so to speak, uh, with, with Wick and Morty, with other stuff. Um, with his just general life, uh, that, yeah, he may forget that, you know, that the train one kind of was a, a typical story structure, uh, and thinks that, uh, the facehugger episode, uh, was the first one. Who knows? It doesn't matter. Um, don't, don't overthink it, folks. Uh, let's see. Uh, things to not overthink. 
the Justice League Apocalypse War, or Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. Uh, finally got around to that one. It was good. Uh, once again, I like Matt Ryan coming back as John Constantine. Uh, I like the nod of that Jerry O'Connell has been voicing Superman for uh, a little while now, um, after George Newbern and, boof, um, can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head. But anyway, uh, there was a guy who voiced Superman for like one or two things. Uh, and uh, I like that Lois Lane was voiced by uh, his real-life wife, uh, Rebecca Romaine. Uh, I thought that was a fantastic nod that I'm, I don't think a lot of people caught unless you watch you know, the credits, which I do. Uh, Rain Wilson returns as Lex Luthor. Not bad. Not bad. Um, it it kind of puts a weird Dwight Schrute spin on it where he's like really snide. Um, but I mean, you know, if you're a billionaire genius with a grudge and uh, a whole lot of kryptonite weapons, then, you know, you're allowed to be snide. But the whole premise is that uh, after time and time again trying to conquer Earth, uh, Darkseid finally figures out through um, using Cyborg as an unwitting sleeper agent, uh, that he manages to know all of the Justice League's plans to defend Earth. Uh, he attacks using uh, these doomsday parademon or paradooms, these hybrids uh, that, you know, I wasn't ready for this, to be perfectly honest, that the language um, in, in this uh, is probably a hard PG-13. There's an F word. You know, uh, they say shit and asshole, and then at one point, uh, Captain Boomerang calls King Shark a fuck knuckle. Uh, jarring, but it worked at the moment, it, you know, it was going on. But the violence, if it had been, like, not a cartoon, hard horde are. When these parademons attack the Justice League, these characters are getting limbs ripped off, brutally swarmed, and then turned turned into like a blood gusher, like a Johnny Depp Nightmare on Elm Street blood geyser. Um, and it's violent. Um, even the Suicide Squad last stand, the little suicide mission uh, at the very end where Harley Quinn says, you know, let's earn our name. Um, brutal uh, blood. Uh, just wasn't prepared for that level of, of, of violence. I mean, I know they've gotten progressively more violent. You know, you see blood when someone gets, you know, scratched by, or, you know, when, you know, if Aquaman attacks, uh, you know, one woman and, like, you know, cuts part of her face, but, like, not off, but, like, you know, just, like, that, that like, that one scratch, and then, like, the blood drops, and they look at it, and they're like, oh, no, it's on, like, that kind of blood. This was, like, oh, my God, like, uh, I can't think of the guy's name, uh, the special effects guy who passed away a little while ago, but known for gore. Um, I want to say Tom Silva, but I'm, I know that's not right. Um, but I'm close. And uh, But, like, just just geysers of blood and limbs being ripped off. I mean, explicitly just ripped off. Like, one of them, you see her arm come off. Uh, you know, people getting ripped in half. And not just, like, cyborg. We're like, yeah, he was part robot anyway. I'm like, fucking for all intents and purposes, humans. Like, things filled with blood. Like, Aquaman, and, uh, and Mira from Wonder Woman, uh, from uh, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman, and, I'm trying to think who else, uh, Hawkman gets his, like, his, his wings ripped off really violently. Like, it's like, ooh, like, and like, a lot of heroes die. Um, hard R violence, I was not prepared for. Uh, the end resets, effectively, this era of DC animated, uh, that started with, uh, Flash, or what's called the Flashpoint, where Barry Allen runs back in time to save his mother uh, and resets the timeline. Uh, Batman, 
realizes, um, you know, at the end of Justice League uh, Dark Apocalypse War, too long of a title, um, you know, that, uh, is it, no, uh, John Constantine realizes that, you know, Barry was responsible for Flashpoint that led up to this point, and, uh, you know, it, it ends with, like, yeah, they, they get rid of Darkseid, um, but, like, like there's been, like, literally, like, two billion casualties, and the Justice League is broken, and half of them are crippled, and um, it's just, it ends on a bittersweet note, and Constantine's like, you know what you have to do, and Flash is like, well, I promised my wife that I wouldn't go back, and he's like, well, you know what you have to do, you know, screw your wife type of thing, and in the end, you see Flash look around and realize, like, the pain he's caused, and he runs to create a new Flashpoint, uh, and we don't know what he's going to change, but it's going to obviously uh, clear the board and reset for the next kind of era of Justice League Animated. Uh, speaking of Flash, the uh, COVID-19 shut down production, so they kind of had a, a surprise, a kind of a sudden season finale. I mean, they've known for a little while, but uh, episode, I believe, 19, uh, Success is Insured, was the name of the episode. Um, it ends on a way that is such... A cliffhanger that obviously one they didn't mean to like uh, that uh, you know they're gonna save Iris they you know they really are trying to figure out how to save Iris and then she like disappears from the mirrorverse so you know I I I don't know it seemed like they kind of went okay well here's a good point to stop uh, you know the mirror mistress um, Eva McCullough uh, succeeds in her ability or succeeds in her goal of escaping the mirrorverse and killing her husband, uh, her husband dropping kind of the veiled bombshell where he says, you're not even human, and she goes, I've never felt more alive, implying that his wife did die, and that this is some kind of mirror version of his wife, uh, which is why he doesn't care to get her out of the mirrorverse. Um, and she's been, you know, driven insane. So, I don't know, is it maybe her brain in a replicant body? I, I don't know. Um, once again, it seemed like a weird spot to stop with Flash having no speed, uh, Iris disappearing from the Mirrorverse, um, like, almost teleporting away. It was bizarre, like, dissipating into it. Uh, Eva McCullough, the Mirror Mistress, um, winning and going, like, I, you know, I've, I've done what I've came to do, and I'm out. Like, that's it. And I'm like, well, there's no way. That's, it's not like the villain wins and she goes, huh, I killed a guy. I'm fulfilled now. Bye. Like, that's it. Like, no, there's, there's got to be obviously more than that. Uh, and she says, you know, she's, she, uh, retakes the company and she goes, you know, I'm going to fix all the rights, uh, you know, I'm going to right all the wrongs, and it's like, well, that that ensures something's going to happen. Um, obviously, Flash is going to just let her go for kidnapping Iris and Cisco's girlfriend and the police commissioner and killing that dude. Um, I'm not going to call her the husband because I don't think she's the actual wife, but we're going to get into, you know, we'll figure that out, I guess, when Flash comes back next year. Uh, speaking of DC couples, the kiss heard around the world. Some people call them Harlevy. I don't like that. Um, I prefer Poison Quinn. But yes, uh, finally on, uh, the Harley Quinn animated, uh, from the DC Universe streaming, Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy finally consummate their feelings for each other. They escape the pit that Bane threw them down, a la just, you know, Bane being Bane, uh, and, uh, they escape the pit and there's this whole, like, she's, you know, Harley's like, go, go without me, go marry Kite Man, you know, life is nothing without love, and hate will only drag you down, and uh, she she lets go of, of Ivy so that I, Ivy can live, 
Uh, Ivy, of course, saves her. They hug, and then they kiss. And I mean kiss, kiss. Like, kiss, kiss. Like, Batwoman kiss. I haven't gotten to the finale yet, so I'm not going to talk about that till next week. But, yeah, like, yeah, like, Julia, Sophie kiss. Um, and uh, they looked kind of shocked at the end of the kiss as well. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens on this week's uh, Harley Quinn, the fallout for that. But, yeah, I mean, the kiss heard around the world in terms of will they, won't they, are they, aren't they uh, in D.C., uh, is Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. So, uh, lastly, on the Vomitorium, just a couple of passings which really suck. Uh, Fred Willard, oh man, uh, I love when he was the announcer on Best in Show. He, oh, uh, the the Ed Harding, Ed Harkin? Harkin. Ed Harkin on um, uh, Anchorman, where he's just like, oh, I've, I don't know where he got the bow and arrow, Sister Marion. I've never heard of this drug called acid, but he's firing it in the crowd, do they say? Like, just the just shit he says uh, is, is fantastic. Uh, just a comedy genius. He will be missed. Jerry Stiller, once again, comedy genius, uh, will be missed. Um, obviously, a lot of people know him as um, Frank Costanza. I do. Um, I mean, he, he and his wife, uh, Marie, oh, damn it. It sucks that I can't think of her name. Professional and 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 personal uh, giants, uh, kind of a Hollywood love story as well as just uh, they're both they were both so goddamn funny and Jerry Stiller was so funny especially in Seinfeld, um, which is how I got introduced to him. I think a lot of people that's how they got introduced to him uh, as uh, Frank Costanza, Serenity Now, the the male bra episode, uh, Festivus. Um, you know when he, uh, he thinks that Kramer tried to you know get fresh with his wife. Um, just everything he did on, on Seinfeld was comedy gold, and uh, he will be missed as well. And then kind of a weird one, Deb uh, texted me this uh, the night before, and uh, or the night of, and then I saw it the next morning, uh, but Lynn Shelton, uh, who uh, directed um, Sister of My Sister, or My Sister's Sister, and um, she was a, a, a big part of uh, Little Fires Everywhere, and she was an indie darling on, oh, what was the one with Mark Duplass? Um, not Mark Duplass. Yeah, Mark Duplass was um, Hump Day. Um, she was also, um, oh, she did Sort of Truth. Uh, and she was, you know, um, partner with uh, Professional and Personal, once again, uh, with Mark Marin, my spirit animal, uh, curmudgeonly uh, comedian who I recommend to no end. Um, he was on Glow. She, uh, I think, directed episodes of Glow as well, Lynn Shelton. Uh, and, uh, from what I'm to gather, she had this, like, blood disorder, and, um, she just got sick, and then that was it, uh, it, and it sucks, um, and, uh, you know, she will be missed, a lot of the, the people that outpoured, uh, her on Twitter, I was just surprised by, um, the people that she knew and how, how much she was loved, I mean, I never really knew her. She kind of just stayed behind the camera, so I, she wasn't really a name, and, you know, I, I don't obsessively follow Mark Marin's personal life. I shouldn't. Um, so this was kind of a shock, and I woke up that, you know, the following morning and was like, oh, man, I really didn't need this first thing in the morning. Um, kind of put me in a bit, bit of a mood. Um, so sort of going to end on a downer, but that's it. That's the Vomitorium. I'll be back next week. We'll see if Christina joins me. Or I might have Deb call in. Uh, I've got a really fun kind of like draft bracket idea that I've been holding on to. Um, I wanted to do it with 
Christina, I think she might be just young enough. Um, and, and Deb, I don't know. I, I just, I, I can see her kind of overthinking it, uh, which is, I, I kind of want it to be like light and breezy and fun. So we'll see what happens next week. But otherwise, um, this has been Nerd Vomit. I'm Doug, a nerd, and this has been my vomit. And I'm out like a boner in sweatpants. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like Exotic Liability, No Applause, Just the Clap, and Black Falls. We can be found at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for The BACN on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. Oh, yeah.